episode of the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm your moderator with me this week is youth co-director Daniel Rye. <laughs> Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. <laughs> the second week in a row I've almost called Scott that True. and the uh, worship director Scott Reed yeah, yes. I think it's just I, I have the hardest time remembering what your title is that's fine uh, <laughs> welcome to a lightning round of the Bloomingdale Church podcast uh, I don't even remember whose turn it is to pray I'm going to go with Daniel Wright <laughs> Daniel Wright will you pray for us dear God thank you for today thank you for <clears throat> who you are who you've revealed yourself to be to Christians throughout history um, I pray that you would just help us to learn more about you um, this day. Help our listeners to um, honor and glorify you as they go out through the rest of their day. Help Let this help them um, to set their eyes on you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It feels wrong to do a lightning prayer, but, uh, but thank you. <laughs> Scott. What do you All got right. for Would You Rathers? All right. We're going to do what we did last time. We were, we were short on time. So I'm going to do Would You Rather Mix and Match. And yes. I'm going to just go around the circle and you just give me your answer. Perfect. With cool. no justification. No justification. <clears throat> um, okay. That's going to be a little bit hard to read, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Daniel, would you rather have to wear visible diapers for the rest of your life or while driving 70 miles per hour down the freeway, look back, wait, hear a noise and look back to see a four foot long alligator in your car. Um, the alligator in my car. It's only four feet. It's only four feet. Well, it's only one day. Um, okay. So no justification. Uh, Max, would okay. you rather... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, would you rather tell someone famous that his or her fly is open or be the butt of jokes all the time? Uh, the first one. <laughs> Bill, would you rather go to work when you were ill and possibly infect others or... Okay. Or be someone who lives by what the person on the psychic hotline tells you daily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd just rather infect people. <laughs> <laughs> That's very selfless yeah. of you, Bill. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Oh. Uh, That's the uh, third time I we've gotten done, that card. Should have done this one. There we go. That's amazing. Um, or <laughs> would I rather, given a choice of five mystery items, be forced to eat something I could taste first but not see, or be on a flim? Wait, while stranded at sea, be on a flimsy raft with a box of food? <laughs> well. <laughs> 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 uh, I, think I'll, I think I'll go with the, the five mystery items. I think that's fair. Yeah. I was trying to, because the second one kind of assumes that you're stranded at sea. Right. So I'm like, am I stranded at sea regardless <laughs> <laughs> of what I choose? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's funny that we've gotten two of those before. <laughs> Oh, I mean, we've been doing this for a while. The first week of the coronavirus, when the, yeah, the week that the that. coronavirus officially became a pandemic, yeah. you asked, I think it was oh, Dan Marcello, if he would rather uh, go to work and infect everyone. <laughs> uh, and then we got it again like a year and later. And what did he say? I think he didn't say that one. <laughs> I think if he had said that at that point, the podcast would have been forever over. <laughs> um, whew, thank you, Scott. Uh, Bill, can you give me a number between one and a thousand and one? 969. 969. Scott, can you tell me uh, what book this comes from while I'm looking it up? 1001 Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible but Never Thought to Ask by J. Stephen Lang. That's right. Do you have a fun fact about J. Stephen Lang today? J. Stephen Lang wrote a book that I miraculously remember the title to, <laughs> <laughs> despite never having said it out loud. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Uh, this comes from the section Odds and Ends, Mostly Fascinating. 969 Laughter. 
Laughter is mentioned many times in the Bible, but almost never in connection with merriment or joking. The laughter mentioned in the laughter of scorn, mocking, or sarcasm. Psalm 37, 13 speaks of God laughing, but it is a scornful laugh. The Lord laughs at him, the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The first laugh mentioned in the Bible is Abraham's, who laughed when his when told his wife, age 90, would bear a child. Appropriately, when the child was born, he named it Isaac, meaning he laughs. The Bible is not anti-laughter, however. Proverbs has cheerful words about being merry. He who is merry has a heart. Sorry, he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. And a merry heart does good like medicine. That's really funny. I never thought about that. Bill, is the Bible anti-laughter? Oh, no. No. (laughs) Jesus said things that I think are very funny. (laughs) Elton Trueblood wrote a book on the humor of Christ, and he points that out for about 125 pages. Really? Yeah. Sounds like a fun book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The late night show talk host guy. Jimmy Kimmel. No. Jimmy Fallon. No. Neil Armstrong. <laughs> no, he used to be on Conan Comedy. O'Brien. He used to be on Comedy Central. Co- no. Noah. No. Oh, what's his name? Uh, what is he's Catholic. Like? Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Oh, good job. Colbert. <laughs> he uh, he just like was doing an interview with somebody. And, like, Bless they you. asked. They asked him how does his comedy Bless and him. like faith interplay, and in which one like. Wins out in the end. And yeah. He went off talking about how, like, faith in Jesus is, like, really important to him. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. Hmm. Dude, when Stephen Colbert gets mad about Christianity, it's amazing. <laughs> he had this, I, it's pretty famous by this point, but he had this um, Zimbardo, I think. He's the Stanford prison. Uh, psychology study, famous for turning out horrible and being the reason that a lot of psychology experiment ethics laws exist. He had him on his show to talk about a book that Zimbardo wrote about like how, uh, if, in his view, it was like God created evil to test humanity. And uh, and Stephen Colbert uh, sort of ex- explained this entire thing of just like, you know, uh, that's not what evil is. It's not something that like, God invented, right? God didn't invent the devil um, or like, you know, make evil. And Zimbardo was just like, man, you really uh, paid attention in Sunday school. He's like, I teach Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Huh. So that's yeah. a that's a classic clip. Um, Man, can you imagine being in Sunday school with Stephen Colbert as your teacher? <laughs> I hope he's teaching like four-year-olds. They have no idea who he is. And they're just like, man, Mr. Colbert is crazy. Um, well, I didn't expect to talk about that today. Scott, is the Bible anti-laughter? I don't think so. Why not? Why would it be? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that question. Okay. Really, God is at the epicenter of joy. Right. So in heaven, there are probably times where it's just deep belly laughing, Mm -hmm. where something's happened and everybody's just laughing their heads off. Yeah. And we've had a taste of it here on earth, the uh, Toronto Blessing Revival back in the 90s was characterized by laughter. People would be combination slain in the spirit and laughing even in their 
it's not quite comatose, but even in their slain position, um, I, I got to witness this, where people are laughing while they're out. And I asked the pastor of the church, so what do you think's the purpose of laughter? And he said, it's cleansing. Mm. Because these people are repenting of deep sins. You know, they've hidden abortions for 20 years and never faced up to it. Now they repent. And, and there's laughter, not about the abortion itself, but there's laughter coming up in this person's soul. And, and that's part of their cleansing. Hmm. From sort of like that freedom of, uh, of the guilt. Yes. I mean, I, I've never experienced laughter in that vein. Uh, even though I was in that service, I wasn't one of the ones laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I think we've all done this. Been at a table where you're just laughing so hard, you're, you're just mm-hmm. literally choking. Mm-hmm. One time my mom got me laughing so hard, I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What did she do? I don't remember now. I don't want to remember. It might recur. But, yeah. yeah, we were playing Monopoly and something stupid happened. Actually, I think it was my dad. My dad is just the funniest guy in the world. He did something. I, I just started laughing. I couldn't stop. I threw up. And that was the end of that game. <laughs> did he keep laughing after he threw up? No, no, no I threw up. I know. Did you keep laughing? No, no. That, that, that kind of cast a pall on it. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of see how, you know, just based on what's he- here, <laughs> there's this there's this stereotype of like you know middle ages like monks like who never smile and like you know who are like mm-hmm. I like the man of God who is so solemn and serious and and based on you know the depictions of of laughter that are like quoted here you can kind of see where that comes from um, and I think you still get that a little bit in American culture with this you know image of these. Um, very frumpy uh, old Christians who uh, are not fans of of laughter or or having a good time, so to speak. Um, and I do think, you know, I do think uh, that's actually a, a conversation I had with my brother about the chosen um, was that he was like, you know, Jesus is very funny in that show, mm-hmm. and it, it is generally a pretty funny show. Um, and he was like, you know, I don't really necessarily see that reflected in the scriptures. And I find that a little off putting to be like, are you changing the tone of, of the gospels? Um, well, I'm thinking of the time Jesus tells a parable. Well, he he tells a truth that your God knows when every sparrow has fallen. Mm -hmm. And then he ends it with, so do not worry. You are worth more than many sparrows. <laughs> That's true. I sure hope so. <laughs> but, but, but I think people probably just bust out laughing when he said that. It's like, well, okay, you know, I, point well taken. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, too, of great Christians. D.L. Moody, mm-hmm. Spurgeon. One lady came up to Spurgeon after he preached, and, and she said, I think you used a little too much humor today, Pastor. And he said... If you knew how much I left out, maybe you'd think better of me. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on uh, on humor or, or, or laughter in the Bible or in ministry? 
Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions and would-you-rathers, trivia quizzes, and your favorite jokes to podcast mm-hmm. at bloomingdalechurch.org. Getting to uh, back to a, a question that, that uh, or, or more of a command that Bruce sent in last week. I don't think everybody got the chance to, to say, uh, to give a review of what they're presently reading. Um, I'm trying to remember. Scott, did you speak a little I bit didn't. about? I what think it, it was just the two of you. I think it was just me and Daniel. Yeah. Scott. What you're reading? So what I'm currently reading is a book for ordination, um, which I'm not going to get into because I only kind of just started it, and it's also pretty heady. But another book that was also heady but that I just finished recently that was very interesting um, and it's called Angels, What the Bible Really Says About the Heavenly Host or something like that by Michael Heisner. He, he shared this fascinating thing. It was actually one of his footnotes, and I'm really glad that I read it, because I don't always read the footnotes. Um, But he was talking about, um, for one thing, the whole book is just really interesting. It really opened my eyes up to a lot of, for lack of a better term, angelology that I just like was totally ignorant of Hmm. um, before. If you think that you understand angels, you probably don't. Um, (laughs) Just from reading, like, like if you don't have, like, a good grasp of, like, Hebrew and Greek, you probably don't understand them. Hmm. Um, Because, like, I never would have known some of the things he said just from reading the way that, you know, the English translation communicates things. Um, So that's just kind of a comment on the book as a whole. Really, really interesting overall. But he has this part. This isn't even really about the angels. But he talks about, um, there's, you know, the verse where Paul... Bill, do you, do you know off the top of your head, or Daniel, or Max, any of you, I don't, um, off the top of your head where Paul talks about um, long hair as the covering for women and men shouldn't have long hair? Do you know where that is? It sounds like Timothy. No, it's First Corinthians. Yeah, First Give Corinthians. me a moment, I could find it. It's like in right around chapter 9. Yeah. First Corinthians 10. chapter 9. It's a part about women covering their head, too. Yeah. Well, while Bill looks for that, uh, I'll just kind of paraphrase. So there's this part in it that says, like, um, it references the angels. Uh, He says, for this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. Um, Long hair is given her as a covering. Oh, here it is. Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? So this is like a very weird passage mm-hmm. um, that like is hard to make sense of. He, in his footnote, he talks, he he cites or quotes this guy who is an expert on Greco-Roman medical literature. Cool. Um, <laughs> wow, we can't get enough of those kind of people, right? <laughs> and wow. the guy says that in this period of time. People viewed the hair as a sexual organ. They thought that it was hollow and that it drew up certain bodily fluids into the head. Um, and so men, and so when you hit puberty and hair appears elsewhere, it, it you know, it's to... impacting and affecting your, your sexual process. Um, so for men to have... <laughs> To have long hair, it draws those bodily fluids up and away from where they need to be 
to go out into the world and serve their purpose. Right. Trying to keep this as PG rated as I can. Sure. Um, not that these things are inherently inappropriate. Well, listeners don't have the chart that you're drawing on the whiteboard for us right now. <laughs> uh, and for women, and actually, uh, the the long hair draws up the uh, the bodily fluid to result in the formation of a baby. I'm not going to use the word conception because they thought that it congealed into a baby. <laughs> I don't know if that Whoa. qualifies as conception, but um, so basically they actually had a fertility test for women where they would put uh, a scented um, something inside of her ovaries and then they'd see and then they would sniff hairs. her mouth Whoa. like the next day. And if they could smell it, then she was considered fertile because the connection of her body was working properly. So hair, A, very <laughs> sexual organ. Right. Uh, and so this idea of women's hair being covered has this kind of cultural connotation that we, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily have. It's kind of like That's if, crazy. you know, in our culture, you know, we want women's chests to be covered because that's a very sexualized part of their body in our culture. But if you go to like, you know, the tribes in the Amazon, not the same, right? Mm -hmm. So like this is just one totally different aspect of culture. And then that's why men shouldn't have long hair because it, it not like renders them infertile, but it sure. kind of creates processes in their body that is, it is unfit for men to be having. Uh, and it's just so interesting. And it's like... <clears throat> Reading that just like totally opened my eyes to the fact that, and I knew this conceptually, but the Bible was not written in our culture. And like, we know this, but if I hadn't read that, there is no, I would never, no. I would never no. understand. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying that this is a hundred percent exactly what's going on here, but sure. it makes it make so much more sense. Right. Uh, and like, I would never get to the bottom of this just by reading this over and over without some kind of like divine pretty extra biblical revelation of yeah. like what was going on culturally then. And, and not so, just culturally, like scientifically <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and so like I, you know, this again, an expert on Greco Roman medical literature, right. Um, had to ref, like had to explain this. And, you know, so anyway, all that to say, it's a really interesting book that has very little to do with angels, but I, I will probably <laughs> never forget it. And it, and it is just a really, <laughs> a really potent reminder of like, you know, there are things in the Bible that we can understand, but we well, shouldn't take for granted most, that yeah. we just will understand them if we just read it hard enough. Cause sure. like that requires outside information to kind of make sense of that, that they would have had, you know, because they just lived in that culture. Uh, like today, Jeez. if Paul wrote to our church and said, women, make sure you're wearing a shirt <laughs> because otherwise it could cause problems. We wouldn't be like, what does he mean? <laughs> I, what problems could that possibly cause? It's like, we get it. And they would have gotten it. Right. Well, especially mm -hmm. considering the city they were in being yeah. Corinth. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... That's that what fascinating. That is well, fascinating. Well, yeah. so so that I want to follow that up with a question to get your opinion on, you know, uh, why would the Holy Spirit allow Paul to write something so uh, something so specific and also based on something that isn't true? Like, why would he? Why would the Holy Spirit? allow Paul to write something that is like medically inaccurate. Yeah. Not just allow he's inspiring. Right. Paul to write. Yeah. Well, here's a related question. Um, you know, the Bible in the old Testament refers to the battle where the sun stood still, right. but we understand that the sun is not the thing that's moving in relation to the earth. So that's inaccurate. Mm. 
but that's in there too. Uh, it was a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different context, sure. but I, I think, you know, Daniel <clears throat> back in like the summer came to Yabs and was like talking to us about how to understand the Bible. And one thing that he said, um, that I think is really accurate, like really important here is, and you could probably, you could probably say it verbatim, Daniel, it seemed like the kind of thing that you've heard many times, but it's like the Bible is like an ancient Near Eastern document. And like we need to, we need to remember those things. Um, hmm. and so like, why did the Holy Spirit do that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what I do know is that there's pretty few of those kinds of things in the Bible. Sure. Um, and so looking at the Bible as a whole and the messages as a whole, um, like the, the takeaways are, are pretty universal and pretty clear. Paul does say something interesting here. Um, where was that? He says, does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? Uh, and he also says, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray? To? So there's like, there's interesting language here. Um, and then if anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. There's interesting language there that, that I think kind of begs further investigation of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. There is somewhere, and I can't remember exactly where this happens, um, but the writer says something to the effect of, like, let the reader understand, mm-hmm. and they're, like, quoting Daniel. And there's just sort of this assumption that the reader kind of knows what happened in Daniel and what they're referencing. Sure. Uh, obviously, that's also in the Bible. But I think that, you know, there are, there are instances in the Bible where the, the language that's used kind of um, either assumes or at least kind of begs, like, that there's something else here to be aware of. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Those are some thoughts. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Bruce Mengfeld put me onto that author. Michael he put Heinz. me onto that author too. <laughs> yeah. So I read a book called The, the Unseen, Unseen Realm. Because that's he, it's from the seventeen hundreds, right, or something like that. No, no, no. no. He's, he's he's current. He's brand spanking new. Oh, really? In fact, he's sort of a new wave scholar. Oh. He's not working out of a university. He's a man with a PhD doing it online, so to speak, or out there on the web. Uh, he's, he's trying to influence internet users. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. Well, who was the book you were reading? Um, there's another author you were reading who, like, you wrote, you wrote a commentary? Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry is from... He's from the 1600s. The 1600s, okay. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> a little... Matthew Henry's books... About that much, right? About a foot and a half or fourteen <laughs> inches, uh, listeners, uh, of of depth, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, Angels is like a two hundred page book. Oh wow, okay, yeah. But it really it it took me a while to get through it, partly because life was crazy for the last few months, but also partly because it is it's pretty heady. And there are there are times, at least that book. I have another one of his that I haven't read yet, but there are times when it is a bit of a slog Mm -hmm. to get through all the technical language that he's using regarding the Hebrew or the Greek. And then there are other times where it's just like, wow, this is so interesting and I can't get enough. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of like reader enjoyment, yeah. at least for me, um, not being someone who understands. No, amen. That's, that's a nice way to put it. But, um, <laughs> Especially, like, the first chapter or two is, like, very much... It's all about the terminology uh, mm. used for for um, heavenly beings. Uh, and that part is, like, 
because it's very scholarly. It's like, you know, this this translates to this, and we can understand that mm-hmm. this is referring, because like one of the words, which I don't remember what it is, it might even just be angelos or angelos or whatever, however you pronounce it in Greek, but it means messenger. Mm-hmm. It's like, but we can understand that this means heavenly messenger in these contexts as opposed to an earthly messenger because it also can mean that because of X, Y, and Z, other resources and these other passages. And that part's kind of yeah. a little dull. Um, but then when it gets to the part where it's talking about like, the fact that it, by his estimation and study, the angel of death in Exodus is the second person of the Trinity. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So it, it's, again, a little bit of a mixed bag, but yeah. but super, like, I, I, I definitely walked away like, wow, I, I was, my... my um, perception or idea of of angels or the heavenly host to be a little bit more accurate was like so small sure um and i feel like it was broadened a lot uh, by reading the book Mm -hmm. yeah you were mentioning michael heiser and i was like i've heard this name where have i heard this before um and the bible project i think used some of his research Mm. and some of his books and they did a a series on spiritual beings so it's like four minute videos that get like you can understand everything and like it's like really deep yeah. and like yeah so that's a look those up if anybody's like man that sounds really interesting where 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 would i start to learn stuff like that bible project did a really cool series about that is it on youtube yep youtube their website their app <laughs> <laughs> their app is phenomenal that's what yeah. i've heard that's awesome i like at the end, you know, it's like it raises more questions than it answers. And it's like, yeah. and the angel of death in Egypt is maybe Jesus. And I'm like, ah. Uh. True. <laughs> Although what he would say, he would say, it's not Jesus. Jesus is the incarnate, is the form, incarnate of form of the second, second person, person of the Godhead. Yeah. It's just, it's the second person of the Godhead. Yeah. Which is also like, it, yeah. it's like it makes sense, but it's like, yeah, okay. So it's like, it, it wouldn't be, I mean, it doesn't really matter, semantics. It's but the, like, it wouldn't be technically accurate to say like, oh, this is Jesus. Yeah. But you could say like, this is the second person of the Godhead who is Jesus. Jesus is the artist formerly known as the second person <laughs> of the Trinity. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I want to read more of his stuff. I'm going to take a little bit of a break for a couple of reasons. One of them is that I have to finish this ordination book and Man. another is that I wanted to read something a little bit less scholarly, but I'm definitely, I'm looking for the other one I have is on demons. So I'm interested to learn oh, more bet. about that. I bet that's going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, well, we've only got about uh, 10 minutes left. <laughs> Great, uh, which is amazing that we've already gone through 37 minutes of podcast. Um, so, Bill, would you rather talk about what you're reading or talk about experience the Holy Spirit? Well, actually, both go together. I'm reading a That's... book I like a lot by Spurgeon called The Holy Spirit. Okay. They took 25 of his sermons, put them in a book. Put them in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. It's just amazing what this man mm-hmm. knew. Okay. He really knew God. Mm. And he could communicate really well. And he wouldn't be classified as somebody like the CMA who believes in the second work of grace. He would say, the Holy Spirit comes at your salvation moment. And his question would be, what are you doing now with the Holy Spirit? Hmm. How is he affecting your life today? And a great message after message after message on the Holy Spirit's work to bring a person from death, spiritual death, 
to spiritual life, that mm -hmm. we have no chance of seeing a person saved unless the Holy Spirit breathes into them life. Mm -hmm. And so it enabled him to stay very humble. Here's a man who's 19 years old preaching to 19,000 people Jeez. on Sunday in the Royal Surrey Music Gardens. It's pretty heady stuff. Wow. Um, what 19-year-old could ever handle that? What 99-year-old what could handle that? I mean, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. But he had that deep-seated belief that it's the Holy Spirit that's bringing all this to pass. Mm -hmm. I'm simply bringing a message. But then he's bringing a message with great confidence that what I received yesterday was it's a great privilege to have somebody cross your path and witness to you hmm. that you are receiving the gift of life. If you will accept this person's message, hmm. you should be very thankful for them. It's a complete 180 on how we're so skittish about, well, I don't want to offend them. And I'm, it's the exact opposite. It's like mm. you're not offending them. You are giving them the chance of a lifetime. Mm. So that's what, I was, that's what I've been reading the last three to four weeks. I've got about 110 pages to go. I, I just love this book. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I have a little bit of, of a thought. I, I just had, I had this thought last week. I, I don't know what you think about this. But I was talking to somebody, and it just hit me that in Christian culture right now, it seems to me like the the standard or the goal or like the this is good enough is invite someone to church. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that because the person was you know saying that the person was like oh, I don't know, I don't know I don't know I don't know if I want to go to church. And I was like, the Bible does not say invite someone to church. The Bible says proclaim the gospel. And I'm like, mm -hmm. if I invite someone to church and that's the only interaction they ever have with a Christian for the rest of their life, I have done nothing. Mm -hmm. But if I proclaim the gospel and that's the only interaction they have with a Christian for the rest of their life, the gospel seed has been planted and they know what they need to know to surrender their lives to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I was just thinking about what if what would it be like if that was the standard that we held ourselves to instead and you know certainly coming to church is a an easy follow up but if we were sharing Jesus not the church with people and that was you know so mm -hmm. that, i think i see a connection there well i think that reminds me a lot of what morgan used to say about children's ministry was like you know a uh, children's ministry like it's not that parents should bring their children to the church and then the church teaches the kids like, you know, how to live and, um, oh, sure, yeah. and, and about Jesus. It's that, you know, that should be happening, but moreover, the church should be equipping parents to be the ones who are teaching their children about the gospel. The, right. the, the church mm -hmm. isn't the one who are, you know, you teach your kids everything they need to know, except for, you know, the Jesus stuff. Um, and then you let the church like kind of fill up their minds, <laughs> um, with, you know, what, uh, you know, with, with spirituality, so to speak. Um, right. and it reminds me of that quite a bit. And I think it's a good, like it's a logical step from that because I completely agree with Morgan. And I think you're right that, you know, it's not like I just chert. I think that helps push the responsibility away from you when you say, 
um, I'm just going to bring them to church or I'm going to bring my kids to church right. or like whatever. It's like, and then, and then it's on like the staff. And if they don't get, you know, hooked, like if, if, you know, the person I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to the wrong church or like maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it's on the, my fellow congregation members who like didn't, you know, come in and make a big enough of an impact. I think, uh, it helps like push away some of that responsibility to say like, I will bring them to this thing and then my job is over and the thing will, will do it. Um, yeah. It just, it makes me think of, you know, what Paul says, he says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say the church is the power of God for the salvation <laughs> of all who believe. And like, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not downing on the church. Like I think the church is essential and, and hugely important. But I don't know. I just had that thought that I, I never really thought of it in that way before. That like maybe, you know, maybe that's the thing to do is to sh- is to share Jesus, yeah. not to share the church. Yeah, and that the church is like the the logical and natural follow up. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and like the way we share Jesus is also like it's. It's important that we're intentional on that, like, not that God can't use, like, somebody bumbling through and, like, saying a couple <laughs> things. I think he, he has many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, like, the the way that we share Jesus, like, Jesus is, in the gospel, is alive, something that is working and, like, isn't just, like, a stagnated, like, one little statement. Too. Mm-hmm. So, like... God can work through a statement, but also like making sure that while we're sharing the gospel, like there's like a level of contextualizing it to the people you're sharing it with. Mm. Um, that's like, can be really important. Um, because as Paul wrote these letters to the churches, like clearly what we saw, like they were contextualized to Mm. like that society that the people, the church in Corinth, like, there were things that they understood that mm. we wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And now we, with that same Holy Spirit, are living in a culture that will communicate the gospel in a different way than how, like, people in different times would communicate the gospel. And that's, like, an important work of making sure that we're we're aware of who we're talking to. Yeah. It's not just, like, a checklist either of, like, oh, sharing. I got to make sure I say these few words to these people and we're good. Like, yeah. Mm. So it's like a you have to juggle that, too. Mm. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in because mm-hmm. he guides you into, what do you do here? Invitation is probably the number one mode of evangelism. Even in Jesus' day, I'm sure there was a lot of inviting going on saying, Jesus is going to be preaching over mm. on this hill. We're all going. He's healing people. Come with us. And so a great crowd gathers. I don't think it would have gathered if people weren't mm. inviting each other to come. Yeah. yeah. And we have that with Alpha. The phrase is belonging before believing. Come mm. be part of this. A lot of people can tell you the essence of the gospel. Right. Jewish people at Rotary in Buffalo Grove would tell me the gospel message so clearly, you would think they were disciples of Billy Graham. And I would Mm -hmm. think, how did you learn that? And the answer on two different occasions was, I was engaged to a born-again Christian. I broke off the engagement. But they did remember the gospel message. Yeah. And they, they 
truly understood it at an intellectual level. Hmm. Well, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, uh, you can send questions, would you rathers, trivia quizzes, and your understanding of what the gospel is to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Uh, for our closing segment this week, it's time for bets. Hmm. Last week. Uh, I asked how many of our episodes, my episode backlog, which at the time was four, uh, would I manage to edit and publish? And I had everybody write down what their answers are. I have not uh, looked at them yet. Um, uh, Bill says, this is you, right? Bill says four. Yeah. Uh, Scott says four. And Daniel Wright says three and a half, which is a very interesting. <laughs> we'll round that up to four. Very precise. Um, I have completed none of them, which means Daniel Wright wins. Wow! By undercutting Woo. the market um, one day in twenty years, when this episode comes out, uh, Daniel, the people will call you and say congratulations. Mm. Uh, I did manage to get engaged this weekend, though. Wee! Um, All right, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How wonderful. Um, so I was doing that instead of editing the podcast. Did you not know you were going to be doing that last Wednesday? It, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, that <laughs> well, maybe all... it does matter. Let's go back to that question. <laughs> that is all the time. I, I did know. I did know. I should. Have, I didn't want to share with you. I didn't want to you know, ruin the purity of the guests. Uh, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank Thank you, Max. Max. Daniel, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation.